top of the inning to you. Welcome to the Irish Baseball Podcast, brought to you by the Irish American Baseball Society. If you love baseball and if you love Ireland, stay tuned for a discussion of all things Irish baseball. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Irish Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Becker. On today's show, we'll hear from two very different people from very different parts of the world who both love baseball. Oleg Boyko of the Ukrainian Baseball and Softball Federation will be joining me to talk about what they need in the war-torn country to continue to try and put forth a national team for baseball. His organization has teamed up with the Baseball United Foundation's Share Baseball Around the World grant program. Please visit sharebaseball.org for more information and to donate. After that, Larry McShane from the New York Daily News will be here to discuss New York mobsters and Bronx bombers. First, let's welcome Oleg Boyko of the Ukrainian Baseball and Softball Federation. Thanks for joining us, Oleg. Yes, thank you. So the first thing that I want to talk about here in this conversation is what was the state of Ukrainian baseball before all of this happened? What was the interest level around the country? Were kids likely to try to start playing baseball? Do people even watch Major League Baseball? Yes. Our kids are watching Major League Baseball, and we have a huge interest to develop baseball in our country. Uh, by the way, we had the biggest number of uh, Little Leagues leagues in, in our country, 26. 26 little leagues registered at the website. So that means baseball was not most popular game in that area, but we hope we will have a bright future. And especially with support from the government, because we had the plans, you know, baseball will not participate at the Paris Olympic games. 2024, but uh, we still have some government support. And by agreement with our federation and government, sports ministry, we should send seven national teams, baseball and softball, four, four teams baseball and three, game, three teams softball, send them to European championships, uh, different age groups. So we, we hope we will have a bright future and we have some resources to development. But it, it, everything was before the war started. Obviously, that's going to be the big caveat with everything. And I wanted to know, you mentioned that baseball isn't the biggest or most popular sport among the youth in Ukraine. But what are those sports? And is it easy to transfer some of those skills like if somebody follows another sport and you see that they have that raw athletic talent can you try to get them to play baseball and try to adapt them to a different game richard actually yes you're right baseball is not number one sport team sport in ukraine soccer and maybe basketball and maybe handball and maybe some someone else but uh, I am personally believe to the human parts of that. So I believe if somewhere the guy, we can find a guy or a coach who, who can develop 
own program, so we will find the talents right away, everywhere. So I believe it's mostly depends from the people, not from the depending from the like numbering. So thousands of people playing soccer. What else? We can find the talents in in our in our hundreds. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways you are trying to build baseball in Ukraine is your organization, Ukrainian Baseball and Softball Federation, has now joined up with the Baseball United Foundation for Share Baseball Around the World, the grant program. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I can. And I would like to. Um, I believe Ukraine Baseball and Sobol Federation is an organization who, which unite all community in one good spot. And we have a common plans and we can share resources to uh, release our programs. Yes, I believe U Ukraine Baseball and Sobol Federation, we, we can lead in the development of our game in our country. It is, absolutely. What do you find are your biggest obstacles as you try to increase the participation in baseball throughout Ukraine? Are you needing equipment? Are you needing people who can teach the game? What are the obstacles to hitting that next level with baseball? Okay, Richard. First of all, we, we used Major League Baseball in World Coaches program 20 years. And Major League Baseball sent the coaches coach for us over twenty plus year. So we already had U.S. coaches, but for sure we definitely would like to get the coaches, and would like to get the knowledge. It's priceless and unbelievable. About increasing the numbers in that moment in that situation, it's not such a good point, I believe, but. We have a pro we have a really serious not problem like challenge this year. We have participated at seven European Championships and, and we would like to send the teams all over. And we really need help by donating or somehow to find some resources to send the teams to you to Europe. It's not far away. All championships not really far, like thousand kilometers couple of hundreds and we in all teams is like under 12 and the 18 and the 15 and the 23 European Championships. so it's not adults that's people can go outside and can comes back so it's not easy but it's possible to organize that's why we need real help and also reconstruction of a field which is the number one field in the stadium in our country it's also a good point in our request and obviously that's one of the main reasons we wanted to have you on the show is people can donate to your organization and we are going to have that information after this conversation on the irish baseball podcast do you find that with these younger kids when you start teaching them the game of baseball that they're picking it up really easily do you find that even though soccer some of these other sports are bigger in Ukraine that they can easily get the purpose of the game. They understand the fundamentals. Is it easy to teach them that 
yes, we do. We have some coaches and we have support from the government and we we can do it. Our show is obviously like the least political show probably on the internet, but do you find that with everything happening right now that having baseball, having all of these national teams gives everybody in Ukraine a sense of connection. It gives them a sense of purpose, knowing that you're playing for your country now more than at any point is so, so important to try to represent your country? Yeah, it's a tough question. You know, some people think it's not a good time to any sports for now in the country. But some people still think, and I'm personally supporting, what any Ukrainian participation in competition is also will help our country to resist. So that's why we're actually doing that. And do you find that your players are playing with more of a sense of pride? Like as they prepare, knowing that they're trying to represent their country, not just represent their town, not just represent area they're trying to represent their country and with so much going on that there is a sense of pride yes you're right for now so many players especially like under 18 teams juniors because with uh, age group is the juniors under 18 we are now spread it all europe wide so in norway germany czech republic austria everywhere but we are all ukrainians and we would like to join together and play in european championship as an international team how do you feel at this point ukrainian baseball stacks up with some of those other countries how do you feel you compare as far as the level of talent and the level you have developed ukrainian baseball when you compare it to some of the other countries uh, you know we we somewhere in the middle because we always have a talents and always our players was just one little step away from beside it or somewhere but we need a push from you why not how long has baseball been a focus in ukraine how long has the culture of baseball developed is it a rather new thing or have you been working on it for decades oh 35 years Baseball already started in, in 1988, but we have some pretty good results, you know, in previously. In, we were <laughs> European Championship 2016 in under-21, so bright future, as I told you. Absolutely. When you've only been playing basically for that long to have already had the kind of success your program has had on an international stage. That's a really, really big deal. I want to thank you so much for joining us on the Irish baseball podcast. Please tell everybody that if they do donate what it's going to do to help Ukrainian baseball. For now, we really need some donations for executing programs under 23 European Championship and we got some support from the World Baseball Softball Confederation which made a great job, an outstanding job to find some resources to help us but it's not enough. We still have some lots of some money like 10,000 euros for softball I believe and few thousands for, for baseball under 23. And actually, what are we looking for? Thank you.
Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Rick. I'm Rick Becker, and this is the Irish Baseball Podcast. Right now, Larry McShane of the New York Daily News is here. I appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So first things first, let's talk about your book, Chin. If you could give us a little detail about what it's about and who might really be interested in a book like this. Yeah, I mean, I think people that would be interested would be anybody interested in organized crime, of course, first. But also, I think, um, you know, the history of New York in the in the 20th century. There's a lot in there about uh, about that. The book is basically about Vincent Giganti, who was the head of the Genovese crime family, uh, widely considered the most powerful boss of the five crime families in New York City. And uh, there's a lot of focus on his somewhat infamous efforts to avoid prosecution, which were successful for many years by uh, pretending to be mentally ill, uh, walking around Greenwich Village in a bathrobe and slippers. Uh, you know, the cops once came to his house to arrest him and found him standing in the shower, fully clothed. Um, so he, he's just kind of an interesting and eccentric and really one of a kind uh, among the legion of New York City mafia overlords. And of course, with New York being such a media mecca and everything, obviously, you know that pretty much better than almost anybody, <laughs> you end up having so much information and mob bosses like this really can get the national attention because of that. Yeah, I mean, I was fortunate enough to, uh, you know, I started working as a reporter back in 1980, uh, and I started covering organized crime in like 85 when Paul Castellano got murdered. I was at the crime scene uh, when John Gotti ordered his hit. And uh, so I was able to actually kind of cover and follow Giganti's career, um, and I got to see him in court a couple of times. He had, you know, a final legal proceeding, the one that wound up with him in jail for the rest of his life, and I got to see that, and I was there at his first trial, a racketeering trial where he was convicted. So I was able to get firsthand experience, which is not always that easy when you're doing a biography of somebody, especially a mob boss, you know? Spoiler alerts, by the way. Because <laughs> said that he ended up the rest of his life in jail. Yes, exactly. So definitely check out the book, Chin, the Life and Crimes of Mafia Boss Vincent Giganti. But now let's talk about what we both really love and why you're here. You're a member of the Irish American Baseball Society. We want to talk a little baseball. So let's talk about it. I think everybody really loves to talk about what got them into baseball. Who was that player that got you really interested what are your first baseball memories well i mean i'm a yankee fan which a lot of people say like front runner but uh, i'm a yankee fan from like the post 64 yankees so my my guy when i was a kid and for a long time was bobby mercer you know i caught mantle on kind of his last legs um i guess yogi's last year as manager of the yankees in 64 right 63 64 I don't back off being a Yankee fan. I'm not a front runner. I was there for Horace Clark and Stan Bonson and, you know, the great Mel Stottlemyre and a lot of guys that nobody really remembers anymore, you know? I mean, I went out to Shea for two years when I was a teenager to see him play out there when they were redoing the stadium. And when you say seeing Mantle on his last legs, you literally mean it. Like, that is a very, very apt description of Mantle's late career. 
So as a Yankee fan, obviously going through all that, you did go through some rough years at the beginning of your fandom, but especially very recently, you've had a lot of success. What has that been like? Not only witnessing the success as a fan, but as somebody reporting on the city and being in that mode as well. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like when the Yankees are doing well, it's good for the city. You know, I, I'd say the same about the Mets. I'm not one of these Yankee fans who hates the Mets. My father actually was a huge Mets fan. He's an old Brooklyn Dodgers guy, and he, he's a National League guy. Uh, I had an Irish uncle of mine, Patty Donovan, who got me on the Yankees. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I was, I guess I was still 17 in 76 when they, uh, you know, the Shambliss home run and, and they finally made the World Series. I went to the series in 76 against the Reds, and I went in 78 against the Dodgers. Uh, so I had a good taste of like, you know, hey, the Yankees, the old time Yankees. Then came the uh, then came the 80s. <laughs> Not so great. Uh, and then, of course, the, the generation of Williams and Jeter and Pettit and all those guys, you know. So, uh, yeah, I've been I've been pretty fortunate as a Yankee fan. And, and of course, even though they haven't won in a while, they always feel a very competitive team. And, you know, they're not afraid to throw some money around. Although I wish they hadn't thrown so much at Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> so like you said, with the Yankees being good is good for the city. The Mets being good is good for the city. And as somebody right. who covers a lot of different aspects of the city in your reporting, how do you find that the baseball really interacts with the politics and the, some of those other stories that you cover on a daily basis? Well, I, I think the biggest you know, interaction of, of the teams in the city was after 9-11, you know. I just uh, recently did a story about the, specifically the Mets response after 9-11. Uh, you know, Johnny Franco is a local guy and uh, Al Leiter from Jersey uh, and the whole team, Bobby Valentine kind of leading them, you know, setting up a staging area and packing, packing tractor trailers with stuff to send down to Ground Zero. Uh, so I think that's you know, that's probably the greatest example. I mean, uh, I think when Giuliani was mayor, of course, he loved being in those box seats at Yankee Stadium with his hat on and, you know, associating himself with, uh, with the team when they were really, really winning on that tear where they had the four World Series, you know? What are your thoughts with, in the last couple of years, them going to the new Yankee Stadium what are your memories from the old Yankee Stadium? And have you already started to develop new memories from the new incarnation? I was in the, the old, old Yankee Stadium. The first game I went to, me, my brother, and my father, God Almighty, it was that day in like 67, I want to say, which, like I said, I saw Mantle. And, uh, you know, I was actually at the first the first game when they opened the new stadium. Jimmy Wynn hit a home run to dead center field for the Yankees. And, uh, you know, it was still the same. It was still the same stadium, though. You know what I mean? Uh, the new stadium, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's like a giant ATM. You know what I mean? <laughs> they seem to be everything is expensive. I mean, it's a beautiful ballpark. Don't get me wrong. But uh, my heart sort of belongs to the old stadium. For Oleg Boyko of the Ukrainian Baseball and Softball Federation and Larry McShane of the New York Daily News, I'm Rick Becker, and this has been episode 38 of the Irish Baseball Podcast. 
to help Ukrainian baseball by donating to the Baseball United Foundation's Share Baseball Around the World grant program, please visit sharebaseball.org. The Irish Baseball Podcast is a production of the Irish American Baseball Society. Visit us online at irishbaseball.org. And remember, there's no place like home.